Hello, you're very welcome to another episode here of the League of Ireland podcast on FinalWhistle.ie. I'm Kieran Cannon. Here's what we have coming up this evening. Oshin Morn from Sligo Rovers will be on to us talking about his documentary, recounting that famous 2012 League of Ireland Championship win. We'll also be talking to Harley Moambo of Cove Ramblers about his switch from Aberdeen down to the south of Ireland. And finally, on the last segment of the programme, we will have Niall Newbury of the Dundalk Democrat who will be discussing all things League of Ireland, both in the Premier Division and in the First Division. But taking us in as our first guest, here's Oshin Morn. How you doing, Karen? How are you keeping? How you doing, Oshin? It it doesn't seem like ten years ago that uh, we had the famous League of Ireland uh, title win for Sligo Rovers. You've made a documentary in relation to it. What was the thought process behind that? First of all, well, the thought process was I'd, I'd done a previous documentary I was on before with the it called Shine, and we left that as the nineteen ninety four um, Cup final where Gavin Dykes lifted the cup. And it kind of left space there to deal with what's known as Sligo as the kind of golden years of the golden era. And Shine got a very good reception off Rovers fans and League of Ireland fans uh, in general. So we were kind of looking at, at doing something to kind of celebrate the, the golden era. And then this this year marks the 10-year anniversary, as you were saying yourself, and that's flown around. And the concept was to tell the story of the, the years of success, but without being, you know, in a kind of a gloaty fashion or a kind of a, we won the cup in 10, 11, league 12, 13, cup in 13. It was to kind of find some drama in that. So what we kind of settled on was the day we were playing Pats to win the league in the showgrounds. And now a win guaranteed us the first League of Ireland trophy in the showgrounds in 35 years. So there's a bit of drama in that. It was a cracking game. RT were down with the cameras. They'd put in temporary stands behind the goal, so it was all enclosed, and there was a great atmosphere. Like I came, I live in Dublin, and I came up on the train with a lot of the Pats fans and stuff, and they were in um, Connolly Station, and you know the drums and the noise, and they were up for it. Like, and had they won that, we had to play uh, Shams, and we had to play Drogheda, who were good, good at the time, like, and. There's a good chance there's a reasonable chance that we could have blown it that day as well you know and that was in the minds of a few rovers fans as well so we we kind of we built it around that day and then kind of told the story of the surroundings from that day if it makes sense the one thing that i did notice from from watching the documentary is you know it could have been very heavily focused on the management and the player side of things which you brought the people you brought the the fans and you know the people in the background that might not necessarily you know we all know that the players get an awful lot of the credit but it's about the supporters it's about the community it's about the town and i think you captivated that an awful lot in in terms of the documentary so that must have been a very important aspect and sligo does have that community ethos so it was very important to demonstrate and to show that showcase that as well yeah, it, it was important for us. Oh, I went there for a second. Um, it was important for us to show off the the community and the fans behind it as well. Like, we wanted to kind of broaden it out. Like, there's, I presume, on Dock at the same thing, but there's kind of a, a, a Forza supporters group that do a lot of color, do a lot of flares, do a lot of flags and stuff. And over the years, they've they've done some great stuff. So, I wanted to show them, like, the kids that came in a lot. 
a lot of the works for yourselves. Um, she, she was a super red, so that was the kind of junior supporters club at the time. Um, so wanted to get somebody that was at the match as a kid, um, then some of the older supporters, and you know, obviously talking to the likes of Raf and Alan Keane and uh, Quigley and Endo as well, but kind of showed from different perspectives, you know, um, show off the club as well, like, and show off the town. The one thing that I did notice about, you know, from listening to the players and like Liam Buckley, even though he's the Sligo manager now, he was given it from the from the how to say, the opposition perspective of things. Like he's he's beaten them in a cup final, he's beaten Sligo in a cup final, he's then the opposition manager in the in terms of the of the game against him Pats. You couldn't have written that even better now that he's the manager of Sligo. No, it actually it worked out very well. And Liam is a very interesting person to talk to. He's been around the league for a long time, an absolute gentleman to talk to. Yeah. And he he's one of those few League of Ireland players that went off and played on the continent. Like, and we spoke to him about that and how it influenced what he wanted to bring to management in his career. And he he was at he was the manager for Sporting Fingal in two thousand and nine, and he, you know. We went into we went into that assuming that we'd win. I was one of those fans assuming that we'd win in Tala. And then he was back again with Pats and that Pats team were brilliant. Like that Pats team had some really good players like um uh, Christy Fagan and um the, oh, sorry, it's completely it's just gonna Yeah, Christy but, Fagan, um, you know, you, you you've got Christy Fagan, you had, you know, Ian Birmingham, Chris Forrester. You know, they were a yeah, very, very talented are, group. Yeah, there was, there was some great players in there and well well able to play football. And that's what part of the drama of the dock was, is that we weren't playing somebody we were going to steamroll. These guys were, were coming with a mission to win and they had to win that day to catch us in the league. Like coming up and getting a draw wasn't any use to them. Come up and getting a win was what they needed to do. And they, they did from the outset. Um, they had a player on the wing, O'Connor. He hit the bar twice. You know, the brilliant, brilliant team. And Pats, Pats are Pats are a club that I'd always associate with good football, even from the yeah. mid '90s. In that, like, they do it. Did some really good teams, especially under Brian Kerr and that. Like, uh, great memories of him playing. Um, just a, just so uh, we don't want to give too much away because obviously, um, we want people to go and watch it. Where first of all, can League of Ireland fans, and I think League of Ireland fans should go and watch this because they will, it will, you know, draw the the, the, the heartstrings, so to speak. So where can they go and watch it? It's on Sligo Rovers YouTube channel, so okay. it's accessible and it's free to everybody. And that was the idea to put it onto the onto YouTube, so everybody can freely share it, watch it on your phone. There's no restriction. Like a journalist asked me, why weren't we charging money to to watch it? We raise a few quid for the club. I says, well, not really the point. I think the point is to kind of promote the club, give people that attachment, that kind of trip down memory lane for, for a lot of people. And you know what? If it helps promote the league and shows off the league in a really good light, then that's brilliant. And the more eyes we can get onto it, like um, the better. Like the, we, we just want people to share it and view it. And YouTube was the easiest platform to deliver that on for us. 
Well, listen, Oshin, thank you very, very much for joining us this evening. It's been an absolute pleasure. The best of luck with the documentary, I'm sure. Hopefully that Sligo will be able to produce another one in the not-too-distant future. But we're going to take you out by showing a clip from the documentary now, um, which you were very kindly to show us. And it just captivates that day and the beginning of that day and, and everything about it. So, Oshin, thanks so much. Thanks very much, Karen. Thank you very much for having me on. fitting that Raft done it that day. He lived all our dreams that day. You know, it's, that's any Rovers fan just thinks about that moment where they win the league for Sligo Rovers. And Raft lived it and couldn't have done it in any better way. I couldn't think of a better person to have done it either. Being, I suppose, around age 10 in primary school, in the build-up to the game, the excitement was immense. A lot of us were actually going to the game with those big interests in our class in Sligo Rovers and uh, a lot of us were part of the Super Red, so we were anticipating the game highly. The build-up for the game against Pats was, it was, you know, the buzz around the town, seeing the temporary stand gone in and, and everyone scrambling to get tickets, knowing that if we win this at home, this is the title. They're the sort of things you do dream of as a child, you know, you put the ball down in all the FA Cups and, and couldn't win the league and you score a penalty or score a goal in the last minute. So I'm there saying to myself, right, this is your moment to actually like do something and, and leave a mark and, and a bit of history. So that was, yeah, I was really calm. I knew I was going to score. I, knew, I really knew I wasn't one, I didn't doubt myself for one second. And that was the document. Oh. Our next. And that was the documentary. So I want to wish Oshin and everybody at Sligo Rovers um, the very, very best of luck. Our next guest coming up is from Cove Ramblers. And this is Harney Moambo, who spoke to us earlier on today. Our next guest on the podcast uh, this this week is from Cove Ramblers. I'm delighted to be joined by Harlan Mambeo. Harlan, you're very welcome to the programme. Thank you very much. <clears throat> How are you today? I'm great. I'm great. It's great to talk to you. Harlan, first of all, if we can just talk about last week's match against Cork City. Um, I'm not too sure if you know you were you were aware of the big derby that usually happens between Cork and Cove. Your thoughts on it as a as a match overall? First off, I think everyone everyone there and even if you weren't there, you would have seen that it was a really close game. But obviously the atmosphere, that's what the first thing that got because it was my first one at Commons Park. But the atmosphere was I know there was a few flares and stuff here and there, but it was a really good atmosphere and even a good turnout from Cove and the court fans. But I just think, um, just to summarise it quickly, I just think we were really unlucky not to get anything from that game. Don't get me wrong, Cork are a really good and well-organised team, but I just felt like they were there for the taking and credit to all the boys because obviously I was suspended. But everyone on that pitch that played worked their Jimmy socks off and... You know what I mean? It's little things that maybe didn't go our way. We had two cleared off the line, one that hit off the bar. And you know what I mean? On another day, they go in and we get something, if not the win. But it was a really good game. And I think from that performance, I think we've just, um, we've basically just set a standard for how we should, how we're going to go for the rest of the season and how we should attack every single game of the season, to be honest. Without putting 
you know, putting too much on it. Like your position in the table, I think it's kind of flattering to deceive a little bit. I think yeah. all in all, you you guys as a group, I know speaking to Darren earlier on this year, you know, you're you're you probably as a group, you probably think you're better than what you, where you you are on the table, and the only way is up. No, hundred percent because um, there's no getting away from it. We're second from bottom, but if you anyone that's seen or anyone that's even not even you wouldn't you don't even have to see the matches if you read the reports of all the games that we played and the teams that we played i think um i mean you can't get away from stuff like obviously it, it's up to us to add the finishing touches and be more positive in the opposition's box and to defend better but even then like uh if you take away from like the first game against bray the opening game of the season where we're 2-0 up we get whatever happens happens and we get a sending off and then we lose that game 3-2 we're all on top of Bray in that first game against them and then they score worldly from like 35 yards out do you know what I mean mm-hmm. going up to Galway defending really well for all the game and then they get a set piece do you know what I mean it's little like it's not like um, the good thing about our performances is I, I under the gaffer there's only probably one game, and I think there's one or two games that we didn't turn up, but, but except from that, the work rate's been good and the style of play's been good. And we know we can compete with anyone. Like just That's that's why that result was, um, wasn't too disheartening against Court, because after that game, like we know we can compete with anyone in this league. And obviously the table is where it's at because it's a reflection of what you get from the matches, but we know we're a lot better than what we've been putting out. So... To be fair, it's all positive as, as we go into the second round of games. Harlan, talk to me about the move to Cove because you signed from mm. Aberdeen, you know, an SPL side. What enticed you, first of all, to come to Ireland, but secondly, you know, to move to Cove because as we were speaking mm. off air, it's 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 an amazing it's an amazing town. It's got it's rich in history and culture. But what was it about Darren, the club, and and this and the surrounding areas that enticed you to move away? To be honest, like it's it's obviously a really special year for the club as well. And then yeah. at the time that I'm coming, I, obviously I was coming on the back of January, which is also I knew in terms of playing wise, I knew I wanted to go into a league where I wouldn't be going halfway through the season. Does that make sense? And I yes, knew, I do. And obviously, there's uh, there's other teams in Ireland and stuff like that. But um, when Court came about, like uh, for me, it was just my relationship with the manager and um, and everyone. It wasn't just the manager. It's easy to say like I had a good chat with the manager and it was good and also, mm-hmm. but it was literally every single person at the club from the minute I stepped in and and then after I trained the first day, I remember I spoke to my brother and I said like. Uh, this could actually be all right because I didn't feel like I was new or per se, do you know what I mean? Like we had players like Jason Abbott and um, Brendan, like I feel like I've known them my whole life, do you know what I mean? I've played with them, like even playing with Brendan or Ben and stuff like that, it just seemed a bit natural. So when I spoke to my agent and the manager, and obviously the manager was a big one because I like his honesty and how honest he is and I have targets which I want to reach and... He's just he's he's made it very clear that he's he's there to help me reach my targets, but I've got to put in the work to to do you know what I mean? So yeah. it it was one of those things where I feel like um, it was the perfect time because in Ireland obviously they started their season in the and the preseason around the same time, 
the perfect club because as soon as I came, I had a good feeling about club and then it's a special year for the club and I want to do well for the club as well. Do you know what I mean? It's, e mm -hmm. it's easy coming to somewhere and just trying to play football, but I want to do well for the club. Do you know what I mean? I've got some expectations of my own, but for the club in itself, I want us to do well and reach our goal. And do you know what I mean? Like I said, all the staff and the chairman was really good. The manager was really good. And then all the other coaches within the club, whether it's the defensive one, the mid, there's a lot going on at the club which is really exciting and really good and it's a really it's a community-based club and, and like I said even away from the club everyone's been really nice and supportive so I, I don't have anything to complain about so I just knew it'd be a, a good fit and all I want to do now is just repay all of that with results on the pitch. You've made your inter international you've spoken into the international playing for the under democratic uh, Republic of Congo you know the mm -hmm. African Cup of Nations just been on. It's it's it, it. I think it's getting more media coverage now because of the how you say the exposure of the big players. But coming from your experience, do you think that obviously playing um, for an African nation is is something that I'm I'm trying to put it in the nice way? Like, is the quality of football really as strong as it is in Europe? And do you think that playing for an for an international side like that is going to benefit you playing for Cove? Um, Probably two parts of a question there. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Yeah. So um, obviously, you can't get away from it. Like obviously, there's there's good players everywhere, but I feel like the quality over with the European teams mm -hmm. compared to some of the African teams is always going to be higher because you get mm -hmm. a higher. Do you know what I mean? The facilities are better. The yeah. the standard of coaching is better and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So you'll naturally get like better groomed players but for me um the second part of the question is uh how will it help me in Cove? well to be honest i had this conversation today with my brother because obviously the the national team just had they've just um elected a new manager in today and then my agent gave me a call because i was in contact with the last one but for me it's just about developing and being as best as i can and if i get the opportunity again which as you know, I mean, which was spoken about already between them and my agent, I just continue to do well. Whether it's Cove, whether it was at Aberdeen, whether it's do you know what I mean, whether it's in the park, like if if I'm being asked to play centre away or do something, I'm gonna make sure I do it to the best of my ability because, like I said, um, representing your country is, I think, for me, is the highest honour in football, and that's the only thing. And obviously, the next African Cup of Nation is there is in 2020. Two. So wait, no. The qualifiers for it is at the end of this summer. So yeah. obviously that's something I've been having in the back of my head, and um, and I spoke to my agent as well, and he, like, I know just be even. I know there's players at other clubs and stuff like that, but I know, like, it's down to me because right now I'm at Cove, and to be fair to. To the other officials and stuff like that when i spoke to them they told me it doesn't matter where you are it's about how you're performing and that's why i don't see being at cove as a no disrespect to like, like as a lesser club to them any of the other players it's just almost mm -hmm. like it's just a path to where i need to get to and if i'm doing well here then they're still watching my games and then they'll still appreciate it but no i think um, to answer the question, like um, it can only benefit me playing for mm -hmm. Cove. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, finally, like the, the first division this year, I'm not too sure if you knew about it before that. Like it was um, for a couple of years, there was just one standout team that would go get promoted this year. You've got Waterford who have just recently let go of their manager. You've got Cork, obviously, who you play, who you played last week. You've got Galway United. You've got mm-hmm. Longford, Wexford yourselves. Like, like it's the most competitive first division that you that you could have come into. From mm-hmm. your experience of playing against the sides, the quality of football has been very good. But is there were you surprised by it, or is it something that you knew you were going into? To be honest, um, I wouldn't say I was surprised, or because as a defender and just the way I am, I pr- like I just knew like a few of the certain things. I just knew because okay, we, we might not be able to play pretty football. So I knew as a defender coming into this league and stuff like that, or any league, the stuff which I'm going to have to do is a given. Like, I'm going to have to be vocal. I'm going to have to be physical. I'm going to have to win my headers. But saying that as well, like, I've been surprised with some, some with how some of the teams have, well, most of the teams I've checked to play, I think bar Galway, I think everyone's really tried to play football and try to cut through us and stuff like that. Galway were a bit, not to, don't get me wrong, Galway were a good side, but I felt like they were more direct and that mm-hmm. kind of suited us because as a back four and as a defence, I think we've almost got to get to a point when we're in games like that where you've got to enjoy defending, win your headers, squeezing line up. It's, it is tiring, but um, you've got to do them stuff and... Um, no, the standards actually, like, yeah, like I said, the standards kind of not shocked me, but the fact that everyone, there isn't a massive golf class, so to speak. Yeah. 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 I know and points don't really reflect stuff yeah, as they are, but like you could go there if anyone was to say, oh, I know it's a derby and there's more in it, but do you know what I mean? What was it? I think it was Cork that drew, they drew with Bray, and then mm-hmm. we went over. And then Cork come here and then we've got a good chance to play them and then they win 3-2, obviously. But, you know I mean? It's almost that type of league where anyone can be anyone on their day. So it's just about who's more concentrated. And, but it's a, it's, a, it's a really good, do you know what I mean? It's a good league to be in. And there's loads of great teams in it. That's, that's, that's the main thing. And it's more exciting as a player because you just know you're go, you can't go in half-hearted into it. You shouldn't go in half-hearted into any game, but... You just know any every game is going to be a challenge, which is uh, I like that. It's exciting. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Listen, final question: You're um, playing Bray this weekend. Um, another, it's a, it's into the second series of games. You kind of have a feel of what what these mm-hmm. teams are like. What are your thoughts on it? Um, well, because I was suspended the last game, I missed mm-hmm. the Cork City game. Well, it, whether I'm in the team or I'm not starting eleven. I think for us is just start the game the same way, the same way we ended that Cork City game, and the same way that we were throughout that whole game is that's that's how we've got to be it for the rest of no matter what who it's against or do you know what I mean where it, what the pitch what the conditions are we have to play the same sort of intensity and I think if we play with the same intensity we played against Cork there will be anyone it doesn't matter whether it's Cork or. Bray or go away mm-hmm. but that's the main thing for us to keep our discipline and also to actually do you know what I mean put some teams under pressure because that's what we've liked I think we've made it too easy at times for teams to come here or we go there and 
we almost take 20, 30 minutes to get into a game or we wait to concede to go into a game. But I think against Bray and and I think there's a, you know, the best thing about the group of players that we have just now is everything's still kind of positive. Do you know what I mean? There's no, we know where we are on the table, but it's not disheartening and no one's really got their heads down. Everyone wants to kick on. So I just think the plan for Bray is just do what we've been doing with more intensity. And I think we'll be all right. Listen, Harlan, thanks very much for speaking to us today. We wish you the best of luck and hopefully we'll get talking to you maybe towards the end of the season. Thank you. Our next guest from the Dundalk Democrat, and he's here to talk to us about the League of Ireland in general. I'm delighted to be joined by Niall Newbury. Niall, you're very welcome to the programme. How are you, Kieran? I'll keep, you keep well. I'm keeping great. It's good to see you again. Now, we're just going to go through the fixtures, first of all, and the results and a general chat about the league. So starting with the results of what happened last week, once again, an action-packed weekend in the League of Ireland. I know yourself and myself were in Oriel Park. So, yeah. um, But if we can just go through uh, the results of what happened last week, starting in the Premier Division, and that was uh, Shamrock Rovers had a comprehensive victory over Bohemians. They won 3-1. Uh, Derry City, another comprehensive victory, 7-1 against UCD. While Dundalk were victorious over Shelburne, they left it late, and St. Patrick Athletic bet Finn Harps 2-0. Um Shamrock Rovers were kind of very slow to get started this season, but we won't we won't we'll dwell into that in just a couple of minutes. But Niall, Dublin derbies are very unpredictable at the best of times, but that's a good win for Shamrock Rovers in Dillingham Park. It certainly is, Kieran. Yeah, you know, Shamrock Rovers, you know, we can you know, they haven't been, you know, wowing people, I suppose, um, throughout the season so far. But I suppose that's what they, you know, that's, you know, it was kind of the same story last year and even the year before when they walked away with the league title. So I think, um, you know, a Dublin derby against Bohemians, you know, is, is always going to be, especially in Daily Mount, as you said, is always going to, you know, be a tough fixture for, for Shamrock Rovers. And, you know, I think, you know... <sighs> I haven't been I haven't been impressed with Bowes this season to be fair. And you know, it's been a very tough sort of period for them at the minute. And you know, they haven't had you, you can't lose the players Bowes have lost. Um, you know, Georgie Kelly, Keith Buckley, you know, Ross Tierney, the list goes the list kind of goes on, like you know what I mean? And you know, I think Keith Long is maybe for the first time maybe starting to really feel the effects of that turnover in the squad this season, where you just you just can't keep rebuilding every single season. And you know, um it's just you know it, it, it wasn't even a massive it wasn't a major surprise that rovers came out of that one with a comfortable two goal win or, or two goal lead to a win three one in daily mount and you know andy Lyons, you know the exposed player getting on the score sheet you know wouldn't have wouldn't have gone wouldn't have gone down too well with the with the bows faithful leader like you know what i mean but he's had a remarkable um uh, beginning to his rovers career andy Lyons, you know he's he's um he's, he's, he's been absolutely amazing you know, and he's been he's he's been among the goals and the assists this season, and you know, he's been a vital cog in in Rovers' resilience. Because because a few weeks ago, you know, it's it's kind of all changed, and you know, you know, Rovers have gone from being I think it was seven points or six points to just being the one point now, you know, behind Derry City at the top after twelve matches. So it's really it's really hotting up at the top of the league. Derry City defeated UCD 7-1. It's a statement of intent from them that they're not out of this race, but they've had yeah. a bit of a sticky patch. Was this the kind of reaction that they would have been looking for, that Rory Higgins in particular would have been looking for from his squad? 
you know, we spoke to Patrick McElhenney on the show last week and he said, you know, the fact that even the likes of the loss of Mickey Duffy, who hasn't really played, he hasn't effectively played for Derry City. They haven't played what he believes their strongest 11, but yet they're still top of the pile. Is there still more to come from this Derry City side, do you think? I think there is, yeah, Kieran. I do think there is. I, I, I do think they are a super, like, their starting 11 is unbelievable. The only worry I'd have for Derry, like, as you said, obviously Michael Duffy's already picked up a bad injury. You know, um, Kieran Harkin is going to be out for a, a good while as well, by the looks of it, you know. So they are a bit light in terms of squad depth in comparison to, say, Rovers, who, you know, Rovers you know, can have the likes of Towell or Gannon on the bench any given week, you know what I mean? And Rowan Finn, even at his age, is still a, an exceptionally good player. Um, Rovers have a massive, massive squad and great squad depth. I just feel Derry are sort of lacking that. And with Harkin and Duffy already injured, you feel they're only another injury or two away from a disaster. Hopefully for them, that doesn't happen. Um, I think at the minute, you know, things are ticking, are, are ticking along nicely for them. You know, obviously they had two bad results, um, which has let Rovers kind of back into the race. Um, but that was, a, yeah, I think, as I said, Kieran, an amazing response against UCD. You know, I think it was 5 minutes at halftime. Um, um, in that one, so you know Jamie McGonagall, who's gone, a, who's gone a few games with a goal now, you know suddenly pops up with a hat trick. Will patching back among the goals, um, he's been he's be, he's been immense um, since coming back to Derry, um, in the off season from Dundalk. And I know I, I said at the start of the season, you know I I had a feeling this could be Derry's year, and I think you know if if, if they can keep if they can avoid any more injuries, I really do believe that they can that they could go all the way because I don't think the Shamrock Rovers team. Um, over the last two seasons have been challenged, you know, properly. You know, I know Sligo were challenging them for a time last season, but um, they obviously fell away. Some Pats, you know, couldn't, meant, couldn't get a run of games together where they could seriously go on a title race. The year before, obviously, Dundalk, you know, had a bit of a rocky, well, kind of a free fall, I suppose, over the last two seasons, like, and sort of self-destructed. Um, so you feel like this, this Derry team is probably the first time Rovers, this Rovers team anyway, has been or is going to be properly challenged for a league title. And um, I think Derry's definitely up for the fight. And I think, you know, in Rory Higgins, they've got an exceptionally good manager and a good coach. And, you know, nobody who you speak to in football has um, has a negative thing to say about Rory Higgins' ability as a coach and his knowledge of the game. And I think, um, you know, he, he's somebody who could definitely bring the good times back to Derry. And they've got the financial backing as well. A bit, a bit like Rovers, obviously, also. But, you know... If they can keep injury free and if Jamie McGonagall and Will Patching can continue in the vein of form that they've been on, then and obviously I've got to get mentioned the Cameron uh, uh, McJan at the back as well has been superb for them. Um, also, and for the last number of seasons, uh, McJan has been a really, really good player for Derry. And this season he's kind of coming of age properly because people are really starting to see now in a more in, in a sort of better Derry team how good a player he actually is, not only defensively, but also you know he's chipped in with a good few assists and he's got a couple of goals. So, you know, I think Derry, you know have a real chance of winning the league. And that's exactly what Rory Higgins would have wanted um, on Friday night. You know, it doesn't get much better than putting seven goals past anyone. And albeit UCD, you know, bottom at the foot of the table, but, you know, you can only play with, you can only play it's put in front of you to use that old cliche. And, mm-hmm. you know, they did that. And, you know, but the, only, the only downside is they're probably disappointed that they can't keep a clean sheet um, and get to 7 mil. But 7-1, certainly nothing to be, <laughs> nothing to be snuffed at. Nothing to be snuffed at. Yeah. We'll go on to our old, our old hunt and dock. Um, left it late with a with a goal from John Martin to win it. Um, I'm not sure if you saw it from from your side of the the the, the stand. Um, but when Hoban was taken off and John Martin was brought on, there was a there was a collective shout of 
what's he doing? And then all of a sudden, Martin Martin scores the winner, and he's a, he's he's all of a sudden a tactical genius. But if we get back to you know the game itself, it was an absolute bore fest up until the forty fifth minute. Then all of a sudden, exploded into life when Damien Duff was sent off. But if we were to look at both sides kind of individually, Dundalk are seem to be the kind of the thing of you score four, we score five, whereas Shelburne are not playing very well in Tuggle Park, but getting big, big results away from home. It's they're a real Jekyll and Hyde side. Yeah. Um I know yeah, and the game kind of reflected that, I think, um, on Friday, you know, Shelburne obviously came to Oriel with a game plan. Um and that game plan was basically to not play football, I suppose, in, in one respect, like, you know, but yeah, like as you just said yourself, Kieran, you know, the, the first forty minutes or so were just it was some of the worst football I've seen. At Orly Park, and I remember saying to Barry Landy in the in the, the the press tribune who was just beside me, I just said to him that this is the worst forty odd minutes I've ever seen in my life. And then suddenly, you know, <laughs> Griffin, and he well, he thought I was a bit harsh now. In fairness, and you know, maybe I don't know. I still stand by the comment, but um, then forty odd minutes, then suddenly Shane Griffin gets the, the the second yellow. Damien Duff gets a red card as a you know as a consequence of his protestations, and suddenly it all kicks into life. Then in the second half, after that, you know, it kind of give every lift and. You know, I still don't think it was. It wasn't by any means a vintage and dark performance, um, by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, they got the they got the lead goal. You know, Paul Doyle, as you, and I know you mentioned, you know, the the crowd in the stand. You know, were giving you know certain players stick. Paul Doyle was getting a lot of stick, um, from the main stand in Oriel moments before he puts the ball in for Dan Kelly, and who just you know comes in at, at the front post with the you know with a lovely little side foot finish, a little death finish, to make it one nil. Um. But then suddenly, like, you know, the dog, you, you, you're kind of hoping the dog would kind of, you know, push off from there. And it was only after Bradley got sent off. When when it went 10 v 10, the game kind of, you know, the dog started to play better, which, you know, so, sometimes that kind of happens in football, I suppose. But, you know, it, it, I'm not sure how much sense that makes. But the dog seemed to play better once Bradley had got sent off and it was 10 v 10 again. And um, But then, you know, penalty, the penalty decision, um, you know, where um, Kelly was the judge to have fouled Farrell. Oh, sorry, Farrell took the penalty. But um, I just I just think, you know, it, 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 it was very, very soft. It was a very soft penalty. Um, I think the one before that, actually, um, where Kelly fouls Moylan was probably more of a penalty um, than the mm-hmm. one that was actually given. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, I agree with you there. And, yeah, and I, I've since seen the replay on the LOI TV, but even at the game, that was my thoughts. You know, I thought the first one was a stonewall penalty, to be honest. Take him out and dock, tinted glasses off for two seconds. It, it was a stone waller. But the second one I thought um was extremely harsh. Now I don't know if the referee Paul McLaughlin was looking to balance the books out. I don't know. But um it was looking like it was looking every bit after that, you know, obviously Farrell dispatches um one all. It was looking after that, you know, every bit like it's gonna be an almost a carbon copy of the game in Tolka where Dundalk, you know, had the points, you know, it's gonna be another draw. And I know Stephen O'Donnell afterwards was kind of he was saying that was the reason behind some of the changes, the attacking nature of some of the changes you know he, he was referencing himself to drawn too many games here on and that's just the way it is and you know that game which you know they drew in the first half or the first quarter of the season in Talca suddenly t- they turned that into a win and you know Keith Ward puts in an absolutely beautiful ball into the oh. box and yeah it was fantastic and you know John Martin you know only on the pitch you know he, he hasn't had a lot of action he had a bit of an injury as well but he hasn't had a lot of action John Martin and it's one of the best headers you're going to see. His bats actually turn to goal and, you know, he gets away from O'Driscoll, I think it is. And, you know, it's an absolutely amazing header. Um, 
and then I mean, and the goal worthy of winning any game. And I think afterwards we weren't really focusing on how you know bad the game actually was in spells. Like it was just a, it felt like, it felt like a really big moment in the dark season. And I think you know hopefully they can push on from that now. Just the final result, um, St. Patrick's Athletic got a good result against um, Finn Harps. Finn Harps, once again, being dragged into that yeah. relegation, playoff relegation mire. It's something that even though the um, the, the recruitment has been very positive this year for, for um, Ollie Horgan, once again, it's, it's, it's just very, very difficult in this Premier Division, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it just seems to be like a continuous thing with Finn Harps. And you know, Ollie Horgan himself admits that, you know, before every season, he's already in survival mode before a ball's kicked, it seems. So I think, you know, obviously losing to nil to Pats, you know, again, talking Pats up for a wee minute. I think, you know, we spoke about Jamie McGonagall and with Derry there going a few games out of goal, but Owen Doyle had a bit of a sticky patch as well. And he's popped up with he's he's back on the goal trail now as well. And he's a big signing for Pats um in the off season from uh, Bolton across the pond. So you know, um, he might kick on now and Pats might kick on. But in terms of Finn Harps, you know, I, I don't think they'd be too concerned just yet. Um, I think they, they obviously always felt that they were going to be in a relegation scrap once again this season. Um, mm-hmm. although, they have rec- although I agree with you, I think they have recruited very well. And, you know, I think your hat has to go off to um, Ollie Horgan, you know, for his recruitment. And, you know, um, he seems to do it on a shoestring budget and, you know, get some really good players in there. A big blow, obviously, with Dave Webb's though. Um, yeah. I think the news coming out today that he's out for the rest of the season. Yeah, that's a massive blow for them. Um, you know, because he's one of their experienced heads at the back there. And, you know, you've got like the McNamee who's got that creative spark. And, you know, obviously Bastion Harry's come in there as well now. But Dave Webster is a is one of Finn Harp's key players. And, you know, that could be a massive blow. Well, it will be a massive blow, I think, for uh for Finn Harp's season. And um the only saving grace for Harps is, you know, it doesn't look like UCD, you know, are going to put up like they are putting up a fight you see the obviously but like you feel like in in the summer months now they could lose Colin Whelan they could lose Liam Kerrigan like you know what I mean and you see they haven't got the structure to, to, to like replace those players that's that's not the kind of club it is it's, it's a different sort of club so I think um Finn Harps would maybe be counting their blessings that you know UCD are in the premier and um, this season um, and not say a Waterford for argument's sake like who you know have a bit of backing behind them and can bring in players mid-season and can sw- uh, switch things around a bit the way UCD can. So you would have to say UCD would probably finish in the bottom position. It'll probably be between Drogheda United and um, Finn Harps for that ninth place, I'm guessing, at the minute. If we can move on to the first division, obviously, you know, we've we've said this on the show, it's been so competitive this year, but if you're looking at the results, you know, in your opinion, was the Ian Marr sacking um, or sorry, the departure. I don't want to say second. It's a bit of a harsh term, but the departure was that a surprise to you? Um, it actually wasn't because I actually, you know, I'm actually I'm actually in a grip chat with a couple of Waterford fans, um, and it seemed to talk right, down there. <laughs> well, I don't know about that now, you know. But it seems that the consensus down there for the last number of weeks has been that Ian Morris, you know, is already under a spot of pressure, and okay. there's been a lot of fan, and um, there's been a lot of support, discontent, and. Um, at the way Waterford sort of started the season. Obviously, the way they got relegated last year was very unfortunate. I think they finished on over 40 points and managed to get relegated. I'm not sure if that's ever happened in the League of Ireland. Um, to be honest, to finish on 40-odd points and go down is it's unheard of. And obviously, that was a massive blow. Um, but Morris got the job, obviously, on the back of getting Shelburne you know, out of the first division last season and as champions. It, I, was, I, was actually more, I was actually more shocked when he got the sack from Shelburne 
not that I want to use that word here on, but yeah, you know, I know, um, I know, he, I, know. I, I, I was more shocked when when he got the when he when he when he left shells because you know I think you know because shell supporters I also know we're kind of we're kind of surprised at that one. I wasn't overly surprised to see him go from Waterford. It just seems the feeling down there in the last few weeks has been, you know, there's been a real negative sort of um, vibe down there at the moment. And, mm. you know, I think I think everybody kind of expected Waterford to kind of, you know, walk the first division with their eyes closed, especially with some of the players they brought in and some of the players and some of the players that they actually kept, man, that, that they managed to keep, you know what I mean, from last season's squad. You would think, you know, they're going to walk the first division with, with their eyes closed, but it hasn't transpired that way. And, you know, they're sitting in fourth place at the minute with Longford above them, you know, where with a game in hand or a couple of games in hand, I think. So it's not been a good start to the season for, for the money that's been invested in the squad. And it's probably not a major surprise that he's gone. The only question is, and I say this for every manager that departs a club, here on is like, I'm not sure why a club would, would let, would let a manager go unless there was a ready made replacement coming in mm. to take his place. So I'm not sure what the options for Waterford are. I've heard Neil Fenn being mooted in some places. I'm not sure how that'll go down in Waterford. Um, but I'm not sure what options are actually out there. Um, to take this, would Vinnie Parrott fancy the job? Who knows? Yeah. Um, could be a could, it could be a runner. He had know? been muted for that job before before um, Ian Morris got it. So his name is being banded around. We'll actually talk about another managerial slight appointment because of what newspaper reports have been saying this week. We'll talk about at Lone Town in just a couple of minutes. But another team that seems to be top of the pile, our old friends Cork City. We know them very well from our from our um, from our experience. They had a Cove. They had the, they won the Cove Derby, so to speak, and yeah. they did have a sweat for it. It went to three two, but uh, Colin Heaney seems to just have them ticking at the moment, and it's 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 not going to call it plain sailing, but they're definitely definitely on their way. Yeah, they're definitely in the running, Kieran, and you know Cork obviously have had a. A, a really rough couple of seasons um, after getting relegated, you know, where they haven't even been in the running to get promoted really in the last mm-hmm. in the last couple of seasons. So that's obviously Cork. We're like with the dock. We're neck and neck for every honour um, in the League of Ireland. Um, not that long ago, so obviously things went really wrong down there. And um, well, it seems Colin Healy and Colin Healy have got a coach and a young progressive coach who seems to be bringing the identity back into the club. The crowds are amazing down in Turner's Cross, as you know, there seems to be a real buzz again. Um, in Cork and you know they're winning games and you know they're, they're top of the pile at the minute and you know I think the Premier Division probably needs a strong team from Cork like you know what I mean it needs a strong Cork team and then um, I think Colin Healy has to take a lot of credit for that because you know he hasn't been able to bring in you know any big name players um, to that Cork team you know again it, it's it's a shoestring budget um, and they're top of the pile and you know they actually had a slow start even this season I think the I think it was the first two or three games they didn't win. And I think a lot of this feel, the feeling down there was, oh, it's going to be the same story again this season for Cork. And um, there's going to be kind of mid-table in the first division. But they've fairly been on a run now in the last month or so. And they're just a flyby. They're, they're just a flyby top of the league at the minute. And, you know, the table doesn't lie after, you know, 10, 11 games. And, you know, they've only lost one match. And, yeah, I think... And they've obviously scored, they've, they've scored more goals than anybody as well, I think, in that league. They're, they seem to yeah. they seem to. No trouble finding the net. So, and when Turner's Cross is in that sort of when they have that when they have the crowd behind them at Turner's Cross, it's a very tough place for anyone to go, you know. And um, even Premier Division teams wouldn't be fancying it. So, I think Cork um, are a really, really Cork have been the, the I, I don't want to say they've been a, they've been the, the surprise package because they're a massive club. Like, but I probably wasn't expecting them to be 
going this well um, early in the season. I thought, I was thinking maybe Galway, Waterford. Um, so I probably wouldn't have put Cork down to be top um, after 11 matches. Speaking of Galway, they're three points behind Cork at the moment. John Caulfield is really starting to get a, a, a team going there. And um, look, there's yeah. only going to be one team promoted at the end of the season. I think in some respects it's automatically promoted, mind you. Um, they were disappointing. You know, they had disappointment in the in the playoffs last year. Could that be the realistic way that they could, that we could see fo- Premier Division football back in the West next year if they were to, the luck of the draw if the playoffs were to go their way? Yeah, possibly. Like you know, Galway again. It's unlike Cork. You know, there's actually quite a bit of investment in Galway now. You know, obviously with the the Comer Group, you've obviously taken full control of the club and. There's there's good investment um, in Galway and Galway again a bit like Cork another you know another club that needs you, know, you, you want a Galway presence in yeah. top flight in Irish football for more reasons than one you know um, Galway Cork even Waterford I think these kind of clubs need to be in the Premier and um, not no disrespect to some to maybe some other clubs who I haven't mentioned but those clubs I think in particular they need strong like there's so much potential. With those clubs and Galway is one of them. I've always felt Galway is a club with a ma- with massive potential if it can be managed in the right way. I think in John Caulfield, they've got a very experienced manager who's you know who knows the League of Ireland inside out has won has won every um, has won honours with Cork obviously and mm. um, took Cork from kind of nowhere. Cork weren't doing much before John Caulfield came in. Yeah. So I think Cal- I think John Caulfield's probably building something there. And um, but again, it's a slow process. That first division is a as we as we know all too well as the dog supporters in in the noughties, It's a it's, it's a very difficult league to get out of. Um, even when you have the backing, the financial backing. And yeah. like, um, I, 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 I've likened this in the last couple of years to the, the wacky races at times. Like, you know what I mean? It just seems to be, you know, there, there's no predicting it really. And no. I think this year, this year in fairness, it's, it's slightly different in the sense that I think it's a very strong first division. You know, where yeah. you've, got, you've got four clubs, I suppose, who would have had realistic ambitions of winning the division. You know, and I'm saying that I think that's a top four to minute. You know, Galway, Cork, Waterford, and probably Longford as well. You could add in there. Have probably had ambitions to go up automatically as champions. So, you know, at the very most, two of them are going to go up. So, you know, and playoffs, as we all know, you know, it's um, well, the first division teams in the last couple of years have actually had good records in the playoffs. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. Shells got beaten by Longford, and obviously, you know, UCD um got one over um, Waterford last season as well. So the first division teams have actually got the better of the Premier sides in the playoffs in the last couple of seasons. Um, yeah, so I was, just, I was yeah. just going to cut in there. I didn't mean to, but it was just that, I suppose, winning momentum by winning those playoff matches going in against a side that has just lost the a lot of games is probably a, a big mindset. Niall, I'm going to wrap up. We're going to look at the fixtures for this week. Um uh, just going into, you know, what is another very, very busy week, uh, starting with the Premier Division, St. Patrick's Athletic versus Derry City, absolutely massive match there. Yeah. Loud Derby, Dundalk versus Drogheda, Bohemians are playing UCD, Finn Harps are at home to Shelburne, which is at 8 o'clock, and Sligo Rovers are playing Shamrock Rovers. What game sticks out there? Yeah, I think, like you said, I think St. Pat's and Derry, you know, is a massive game. It's going to be a massive test for Derry City's metal now, you know, after getting, as you said yourself, Kieran, the response of, you know, beating UCD 7-1, kind of followed up now with, a, obviously, 
a much tougher fixture now at Richmond Park against the Pats, a team that's, you know, with the Dawkins Sligo going to be challenging for Europe this season. Can't really um can't really ignore the loud derby either. You know, um the Dawkins oh. like um even though I'm wearing I'm wearing the wrong colours for that today. But um <laughs> we'll say not you know, we'll say not well, I shouldn't have mentioned it, but I think um yeah, but again, a bit like the, a bit like, you know, Derry, you know, the dog will feel they got a bit of a response against um against Shelburne um last week. And I think Drahada hasn't really clicked into gear for them in the way it did last year. You know, you, you just feel Drahada had a bit more metal about them last season and they struggled. They struggled this season. Now that being said, they they, they beat them dock at um, Head in the Game Park um earlier in the year. Um and that was, you know, for them dog, that was probably one of two games where they really didn't perform. You know, the other being some Pats, the two televised games, incidentally, Dundalk were the biggest letdowns for Dundalk, I think, this season so far. Um, and they didn't perform that night in Drogheda. And, you know, maybe they want to get one over um, their loud rivals. There's no better way to do it. Because I think Dundalk, you know, obviously, um, after beating Shells, the next three games are, you know, Drogheda. Oh, sorry, yeah, uh, Drogheda using the away. UCD. And then they got Bohemians at home. So there are three games where Stephen O'Donnell would be thinking, there's at least seven points maybe up for grabs there um, and possibly nine um, you know so not to put pressure on them um, but that's a part like, you know that would be the ambition I'm sure in the Dundalk dressing room at the minute um, for Drogheda yeah they, they need to have points on the board um, you know, Finn Harps obviously playing Finn Harps and Shells is an interesting one in its own right because both teams you know probably need the points you know Shells don't want to be looking over their shoulders and um, so Finn Harps can get a result there suddenly you know Shells looking over their shoulder you know what I mean and they could be looking at a relegation scrap as well, and um, or to avoid that playoff, basically, you know. And then obviously, you know, the battle of the Rovers, you know, Shamrock Rovers and Sligo. You know, Sligo is never an easy place to go, but you know, Shamrock Rovers seem to be developing a really good habit of sort of, you know, uh, digging out wins like you know when that when they haven't played necessarily that well. And I think that's been you know even the you know the last game I like, I was in Tala on Easter Monday and you know Rovers didn't play brilliantly, but. They, they beat them dock one nil, so yeah. that's just the way that that's just typical of Rovers, and I think that's what champions do. Do you know what I mean? They they slog out results when when they're not playing when well, and exactly, yeah, and that's the mark of champions, and that's why they've won the league the last two seasons because they've managed to do that consistently. But it's going to be another big a big test for them now in, at, at the showgrounds against Sligo because Sligo again challenging for Europe, you know, a good squad of players there, and you know Sligo is a tough place to go at the best time, so. Plenty of good fixtures to look forward to, you know, um, and I think that's been the feature of the league this season. It's just there's there's no game you can really predict, um, you know, with any real confidence. It's just it's such a um, it's such a competitive league. I think mm-hmm. you know every game I've watched this season has just been so competitive, you know, um, you know even like watching like I I covered the dogs, so watching every single game has been absolutely you know to the wire basically. It's just been a, such a competitive league this year. Looking at the first division, Treaty United are playing Galway, so it's uh, that that's look, Markets Field's very difficult to go to. Then you've got Cork City versus Longford. Longford held them to a nil all drawn their first game of the season. Mm-hmm. Bray Wanderers versus Cove Ramblers, and then Athlone Town versus Wexford. Is there a game there that you know Cork have a tricky tie there? They're they're on their you know they've got they're they're have to play Gary Cronin's side. It's you know, as we were just mentioned there, it's so competitive in the first division. It is. It's so competitive. Again, you know, like the Premier, and I think I think that's good for the league, and I think that's why you're seeing the crowds are up even in the first division as well. You know, the, the attendance has been absolutely amazing across both divisions, um, this season. And um, but again, yeah, the standout game there is probably Longford versus Cork, um, 
I think uh, at Turner's Cross. I think um, you know, Longford have a couple of games in hand, and you know they're, they're kind of quietly going about their business. You know, um, at the moment, um, after a few changes in the off season, like you know, obviously they got relegated last year in the Premier, and um, didn't put up as much of a fight as they would have hoped. I think in the Premier last season, and um, it, mm-hmm. it was disappointing on their end. But they might come back stronger, and you know they've been going. Still managed to beat us though, Niall. <laughs> I don't think that was um that wouldn't have, that wouldn't have <laughs> that taken much needed. last season to get on to be fair, you know. We 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 won't talk about those games. Um but I think but Longford, you know, um they've been going about their business really quietly um in the first division and kind of unnoticed and yet they could find themselves in a really strong position if they beat Cork and you know win a couple of those games in hand, they could be looking at the top position in the table. So yeah, it's all to play for. Now, um, before we, we I, I go with my quick-fire questions, I'll ask you just at the end. There's talk this week in the media that Athlone Town are currently looking for a manager because Martin Russell um, has been relieved of his duties. Kieran Kilduff, who is very well known to not only just us but uh, as Dundalk fans but and as Dundalk reporters, but also for the League of Ireland general, he's turned out to be a front-runner. But what else is also is that of the former Cork City player, um, Carl Shepherd has also been put in for as a name to be in the running. In a way, I'm kind of delighted because you've got two former League of Ireland um, kind of stars going to cut their teeth into the into the mm. into the into the first division. But do you think that that's kind of something that we're going to see more of? These kind of I'm not going to call them retired stars, but players who have played at a very high high level because you tend to forget both of them have played in the Europa League. Uh, Kieran Goodoff has played twice, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Like they've won League of League of Ireland medals, they've won FAI cups. These guys have won it all, and now they're going to bring so- that kind of experience into into a club like Athlone, which has a plethora of of potential um, for a club. Never mind in the first division, but as a whole. Yeah, Athlone again. You know, another club that's historically been strong in the League of Ireland. You go back to the, to the Torquil Connor days in yeah. the early eighties. Athlone were. You know, we're always challenging for titles and honours, you know, and they've been a sleeping giant, I suppose, um, at the risk of, you know, getting Damien Duff on the line here, you know, but they have been like, um, I think, you know, but I think, you know, it's a great opportunity for Kieran Kilduff or, you know, Carl Shepard um, to cut their teeth at a club of the stature of that loan. And obviously it's going to be a very, very, tr- it's going to be a tremendously difficult job for whoever gets it. You know, it's like, as like, obviously at loan are a big club, but they haven't really achieved anything in the last number of years they've been they've had a barren barren couple of few decades i suppose and obviously they got back in the premier there just you know not more than seven or eight years ago they were back in the premier and and you know we're lucky not to stay up that season i think under Keith long so i think like um you know i'd like to see like i i i don't know carl shepherd personally so i i can't really comment on it but i i've, I've been lucky enough to meet Kieran uncle duff you know numerous times interviews and stuff like that and you know he's, he's a really you know decent fella and you know I, i'd like to see him get a chance at the job and um, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a tough one and um, for whoever gets it because that loan you know there's not a lot of investment in the club at the minute and um, they, they are a club with potential a lot of young players though, Kieran, like you said, and I think you know someone of the stature of Kieran Kilduff or Carl Shepherd coming in, you know, it will instantly lift a dressing room, um, because you're talking to guys who, like as you said, have won everything in the League of Ireland football and have played big European matches, and you know, will be able to, you know, ex- um, you know, transfer that experience onto a much younger group of players, and you know, 
that's that's the name of the game, I suppose, in management. And you know, the two boys, you know, the two young young coaches, you know, and it's a great chance for either one of them now to cut the teeth in League of Ireland management. Right, quick fire question. Surprise package of the season. Surprise package of the season. Um yeah, that's a great one. I I'm not too like, I don't think there's been too many surprises, to be fair, at the minute. Um, certainly in the Premier Division. Um, like, I think when you look at the league table at the moment, I think the, the teams are sort of where you nearly expect them to be at this point. Um, okay. You know, I don't think you, I don't I think, but in the first division, like I mentioned, you know, Cork, you know, being top yeah. of the first division, I think probably deserves a mention. I probably wouldn't have called that. Um, certainly after three weeks, when they hadn't won a game, I don't think. Um, so I had to probably go with Cork City. Um, if if we're including both divisions, that is. Yeah. Oh um, no, we're including both divisions in this. Yeah. Um, Premier, I haven't seen much surprise at the minute. No. Biggest disappointment. Biggest disappointment. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had to do I, it. <laughs> I think you know. I think. I think Shelburne and Bohemians will, will, will be, you know, won't be too pleased about where the like when you think when you, we've already referenced, you know, Shelburne, you know. You know, letting Ian Morris kind of go on the back of getting promoted and bringing in, you know, Damien Duff, who is, you know, a massive name, obviously, in in, in Irish football and, and world football, actually. Um, but, but I don't know if, like, with Ian Morris managing Shelburne, would there be much of a difference where they are in the league at the minute? You know, I, I don't think, I still think they would have been ahead of Finn Harlton and UCD. So I'm not sure it's made too much of a difference. Um, bringing Duff in at the minute, their third bottom in the table. And you know, obviously, he gets sent off on on Friday, which is well documented now. His first red card in football, I'm led to believe, like and which, I did, which, which I didn't know. But um, I'd say Shelburne have been quite disappointing. And um, the way they played, they played, they didn't play like their style of football. I, like I get why teams do it here on sometimes, and you know, when you're away from home, you have to set up like that sometimes. But it's it was an, it was an appallingly bad game in the first half um, in Horiel, and I think a lot of that was down to, to, to Shell's approach. Like, and that's no disrespect to. The approach they took, they, they did what they had, what they felt they had to do. Bohemians, you know, and they're a disappointing time for them. They've been booed off a few times, which you never yeah. like to see. Um, I still think that's extremely harsh. Um, and there's even been a few whispers of, you know, Keith Long possibly being under pressure, which is mind-boggling, Crazy really. Stuff. Think. Yeah. yeah, it's mind-boggling, really, because I think people need to get their heads out of the sand sometimes and realize, you know. The kind of budget you're working with there and um, it's the same with the dock as well like you know and you know there was people you know voicing discontent after a few draws for the dock and then I'm, I'm constantly reminding people and you're the same as yourself Kieran. you're you're able to remember you know a time before 2013 when stephen kenny wasn't there like the dog the dog existed before then you know so i think sometimes but yeah i'd say i i'd, I'd go with shelburne as being the biggest disappointment so far i think um i think you know i would have thought there might have been Challenging a bit more at the minute, maybe a bit higher up the table. Who's going to win the FAI Cup? Give me a club. Don't don't go into explain. Just give me the club. Dundalk. Who's going to win the league? Shamrock Rovers, Derry City, Dundalk. Who may it be? Derry City. Will win the league okay. this year. First Second division. Class. First division. I'm I'm still. I, I know Cork have started brilliantly, but I'm going to actually go with Galway United to win the first division. There's a big call. Niall, yeah. listen, thanks very much. You've been absolutely fantastic. And uh, we hope to have you maybe on again near the end of the year. We'll have another chat then. No problem, Kieran. Pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. No problem.
And that's our lot for this week. I want to thank our guests this evening, Oshin Harleem and Niall Newbury of the Dundalk Democrat. We'll be back next week for another episode. Wherever you're going in the League of Ireland this weekend, make sure that you enjoy it. Take care. God bless. And I'll see you soon.